What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Hazy IPA, one pint, 16 fluid ounces. So did you know that people say ABV, that means alcohol by volume? Yeah. And it's not BY, it's BI. Because alcohol and beer is meant to be imbibed by both women and men. Stop. Yeah, no. <laughs> you didn't know that? Cut it out. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's a fucking ridiculous. All right. Here's a question to you. What are the best beers you can get in Austin? Well, we're drinking one right now, Electric yeah. Jellyfish. Electric Jellyfish so, from Pine House Pizza here in Austin. Really good. I think also, it's an award-winning – well, they're award-winning brewery. Days, I don't know if this beer in particular. These days, everything's award-winning. <laughs> well, you know from I mean? the GABF and all that, yeah. Yeah, but like as a trademark lawyer, I always look to like – you know, if I have to prove the, the reach of my brand, my client's brand, I always look to see, okay, how much third-party pe- third media – attention did they solicit you know unsolicited attention how many awards and these days there's an award for everything the other day i used an, a trip advisor top 10 list for an award <laughs> at what point is it not an award you know i mean if it's your baby you would take a like for instance if you were voted top 10 independent recording studio in you know right off of south congress in austin texas <laughs> very specific is that an award well, we – okay, our recording studio is actually up for Best of Austin right now in the Austin Chronicle. How do, how do we vote? Uh, you can go to austinchronicle.com. Biz. And <laughs> .com. It's a legit site. You can go there and you can vote for Permanent Record, Permanent RCRD Studios uh, if you live in Austin, preferably. And that's kind do of they exciting. Check? Do they do IP address type stuff? I don't know. Huh. But um, you guys, dear listeners, you're listening to the award-winning Who Pods the Watchmen podcast, a companion podcast to the upcoming HBO miniseries. Nope. Full-on series. I don't know why I keep saying miniseries. Oh, are we done talking about best beers? <laughs> well, Did I, you just tease me because you wanted material? I mean, I had other. I had a couple others. We can return to it. All right. But I did want to make the joke that we're award-winning as yeah, well. Yeah, no, it, it was nicely. <laughs> that was all. I was just going for the segue. Yeah. Uh, yes, folks. So we are building up in anticipation of the show that is going to be debuting on HBO October 20th, which is just – it's less than a month away. One it's, oh two oh. It's coming up really quickly. And One it's, oh two oh one nine. Very exciting. Uh, we are going to be dissecting every single episode as it comes out. And we are your hosts. I'm Grant Davis. I'm Clay LaPointe. And as you guys were just listening to, we have something else very important we need to discuss. What are the best beers here in Austin? So I think I have a unique perspective, or I don't think it's unique because that's a superlative. Okay. But, you know, I wasn't here for, what, six or seven years? Right. So I have the beers from... To the two, early 2000 aughts. The, the, the golden aughts? era? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Pecan Porter will always have a place in my heart. Okay. 512 Pecan Porter. Live Oak Hefeweizen. That's a classic and underrated beer. I don't – is it underrated? It's pretty highly rated. I think rated. That people will say that it's passe. They'll try to go for the new – they'll try to go for the Carl Kolsch 
instead of the Hefeweizen. And there's and there's enough room in your stomach for both, friends. Por que no los dos? Oh, exactamente. See, uh, yeah, the Carl Kolsch is fantastic. Rocket One Hundred from over at ABGB. Ooh, what a delicious pills. One time we were supposed to go to ABGB. I was sitting inside waiting for you. You somehow thought that it was closed right. because all the lights were off. And I think they just had tinted windows. Yeah. So then we went elsewhere. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, it felt like I had abandoned you. I was put, I was doing the Sam Cooke song. You know, it, you it's, an, it's another Saturday night and I ain't got nobody. <laughs> I think I just gotten paid too. So I had money but nowhere well, to spend it. Do you think that our international listening audience is going to be very interested in us just chatting about local beers? I think they will when I ask you the real question. Okay. Of the beers we discussed just now. Okay. We listed four or five, three or four. If you had to choose one that Rorschach would drink, what would it be? Fuck. A beer that Rorschach would be willing to drink? To sit down and drink and play a game of dominoes. I imagine that Rorschach has a sweet tooth. So he wants something that whatever's the sweetest. He's always eating the sugar cubes, right? Pecan porter. Uh, I don't know. Jellyfish is pretty juicy, and it does. It has a low bitterness to, for uh, that's true you know, for a hazy IPA. That's true. But also, um, the Live Oak Hef, a Hefeweizen, is a pretty sweet beer. It's kind of it's got those kind of honey. Kind yeah, of none, going of, on. none of the ones we just talked about are really that kind of lager or like the IPA. I mean, this is well, Pilsner's going to be a much crackery snap. He's not going to like that as much. Uh, I'm going to say the Live Oak Hef. With some of the language he uses in his diary, I think he actually would use the term cracker sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not what I meant, folks. Not what I I'm meant. Just saying. <laughs> uh, folks, yes, yeah, so I want to say thank you guys for tuning in and listening to us. We are releasing new episodes every Sunday night, aka uh, also Monday morning. I'll say Monday mornings. Brand new episodes, so please go and subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, wherever you guys are listening to these podcasts. Are you over on Spotify? You can probably subscribe to us there as well. And hey, if you want to do something else to help us out, you can go to iTunes and write a little review. You guys can rate us. You could preferably give us five stars, but if you're feeling a little bit dickish, you can you can drop that down a star or two. And if you write a review... I can read those right here on the podcast. What do you think about that, Clay? I can't wait. How many do we have? Uh, we got we got a few. We got a, a dozen or so. Oh wow! And I mean, did, did Swolemates? Did he? Has he written? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know his true name. Swol, have you have you uh, been putting it? Well, I mean, everyone's got a pseudonym. Are on these reviews? Yeah, are these reviews through like an avatar or something? Yeah. Well, I was just gonna read a couple of them. Yeah. Are any of them gonna hurt my feelings? Because I'm, you know. It's been a long day and... Yeah, it's possible. Okay. Uh, let's see. This one comes from BRB LOL. Wait, wait, wait. No, sorry. This one comes from Screener G. Best Watchmen Pod. These guys will do the Best Watchmen Pod, fan of TV Dudes and Star Trek Discovery Pod, also by Mike and Grant, Lindelof, fan for life. That one was before your time. How did they spell life? Uh, it's just a... Damn. No why? Way. Okay. No why. That's a shame. No why. Uh, this one comes from Panda, who says, nerding out at its best. Love the podcast so far. Can't wait to hear the analysis of the show. I've been reading the comics for the first time along with you guys, issue by issue, breakdown. Thank you for helping me to catch those tiny details my first time through. 
See? Really? Uh-huh. But when when was that one done? Um, this was August 22nd. So, so was Lapdog. That's with you. That's wow. with you. Okay. You would have to explain Lapdog. Yeah, let's just leave. We'll, we'll do that. You know, maybe we'll do that behind a paywall, a Patreon paywall. <laughs> your name, your nickname, We're going, whoever, your last hey, name's if LaPointe. You, if, you enter in, <laughs> if you enter in for the $1 a month, you will hear a 10-minute, I mean, I guess we could just probably call it a diatribe. Do you think we could pad out the tale of the nickname to 10 minutes? I could. It's like a 20-second little tidbit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's just do one more of these. Uh, this one comes from The Wire 024 who says, very cool, very informative. I'm not a comic book guy. Watchmen was literally the first comic book I've ever read. And I only wow. did that because I'm a big Damon Lindelof fan and wanted to check it out before I watched the upcoming HBO show. I'm now reading it through a second time and listening to these episodes as I do it. It's been really fun, and I'm now going to go buy every other thing Alan Moore has ever created because I can't believe I've been missing out on this stuff all my life. And then, <laughs> this is the best part, uh-huh. there's an edit. Oh. And then it goes, downgrading my review a star <laughs> after listening to a couple more of the episodes. Why didn't the hosts read the entire graphic novel before recording? They're constantly guessing or flat out wrong about details re- revealed in later chapters. I just read the thing for the first time a month ago. I shouldn't be more knowledgeable about the details of the story than the hosts. <laughs> what's, uh, what's, his, what's this user's name? Um, well, you, you can go after him. The Wire 024. The Wire 024. Mm-hmm. What's stopping The Wire 024 from having his or her own podcast? Resources, maybe? Time? I think we... Early on said that I didn't know what I was reading. I kind of brought the everyman approach mm-hmm. as compared to you, the experienced podcaster and experienced Watchmen hold reader. Up, hold up. Are you about to throw me under the bus? <laughs> I'm not. No, no. Listen, you can go listen to your transcripts too. your phone calls with Ukraine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Little Trump pinch joke, everybody. 2020 MAGA. I just didn't know that we were supposed to be doing a master's thesis on The Watchmen. I thought we were just kind of supposed to read it, enjoy it, chat about it. Everybody's a critic. Yeah, we're coming at this from being passionate fans. And I have read this in the past and I thought I'd given the the preamble – that, hey, I read this a long time ago and I might get details wrong. I don't fully remember it. And this is the first time doing a, a reread of this. And we thought that you had read it, but it's yeah. really come to pass that you actually have never read this before. And you, not only this, I've never read anything before. You're illiterate. Yeah. You're actually learning to read for the very first time here, folks. It's pretty impressive. And anyway, it was a, it was a pretty funny discovery. Hey, everybody's entitled to his or her own opinion. No well, big deal. I, I think there is something. I think there's some value. Be, there's value to uh, a fresh perspective that doesn't really know what to anticipate going forward. And I've been trying to kind of straddle that line of being able to tell the audience, hey, look at these details because I do think they're relevant in future issues of the comic. But I don't want to reveal too much because I know that you haven't read it and maybe some people listening along like Panda in that other review – are reading it for the very yeah, first time. You know what? Yeah, I'm over it. I mean, I used my dandruff shampoo this morning. I'm feeling fresh. <laughs> Let's, I don't want this to bring me down. <laughs> well, with all of that noted, we want to say, hey, thank you guys for your reviews for the most part. And if you guys want to help us out, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, wherever you're so listening to So you can to this. change your review. 
They can, I guess. Is this guy now going to drop us down to three stars? He might. God damn it. We what were, have I done? We were pretty brutal to him. God, I'm sorry. No, but if you guys want to help us out, please go there and give us a five-star review. Write a little review for us. We'll read it here on the show and maybe give you a hard time. We are ready, I think. And also, I just want to say, this is going to be, you're going to post this bad boy on what, Sunday night, Monday morning? Yeah, I, I post it late Sunday night, so it comes up on your feed Monday mornings. Under promise, over deliver. There you go. Right. Um, so I would say that people have until Tuesday. I mean, you know, if you're listening to this Monday, you have until tomorrow, end of day tomorrow, 5 p.m. Central, to sign up on Patreon. It's getting hot, folks. <laughs> we are going to pick the highest. What are we going to pick, the highest or the, or the or are we just going to like a random thing? Well, let's take a step back. Okay. Folks, we are going issue by issue and reviewing the original 12-issue comic book of The Watchmen. We are actually on Chapter 11, the penultimate issue of the comic book series. And a while back, Clay made a promise that I guess I'm obligated to follow through on, that if you become a Patreon patron over at patreon.com slash whopodsthewatchmen, whoever has the highest patron patronage donation per month will be invited to join us on Cordial, next week's cordially episode. So. Cordially invited. Cordially invited. Uh, yeah, to discuss a bit of the comic book with us. Tell us your thoughts on it. Have you read it? So what's the... <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Read it, folks. You're, we don't want to get in any more trouble. Uh, so what's the deadline? Like, when are you going to cut off and announce the winner? I guess you're going to announce them on Instagram. How's this going to work? Or we'll just call the person. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll reach out to them like next week. Yeah. Okay. Probably around Tuesday. Okay. Cool. So I just wanted to make sure if people are listening, like if someone could listen on someone Monday, could pump up the jam yeah. and throw in a a big old monster donation right before then if they want. Yep. Six dollars. <laughs> Six dollars. Seven dollars. Six dollars could win. Yeah, it, it could, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, patreon.com slash who pods the watchman. Be on the lookout for that because next week is going to be our big final recap of this comic book series. Yeah. And and then we're just going to be wild. We're going to be two wild gooses. Wild and free. Probably take our shirts off. Maybe review the movie. Maybe watch the movie together with our shirts off. Uh, yeah, I have I have some guests I want to bring in for some episodes. So. Shirt, shirts on or off? Mm, I mean, it depends. Okay. It depends on the guest. Okay. Their comfort level. Yeah. Okay, cool. So on. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right. You ready to dive into this? Yeah. And just a quick note before we get into discussing this issue, I want to say that over on Instagram, we did get some questions from our listeners, so we're going to be answering those at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that. Cool. So we are going to be talking about Chapter 11, like I said, the penultimate issue of this comic book series, and it is called Look on My Works, Ye Mighty, dot, dot, dot. And this is finally our Ozymandias yeah. episode yeah. <laughs> of the of the television series. And it is a the tale of Ozymandias. We learn his backstory. We learn how he is ultimately the puppet master, the man behind the curtain, the evil wizard of Oz, the Dr. Evil in his volcanic lair who has been pulling the strings and making everything happen. That uh, the the whole culmination of this mystery is him. And somehow it centers on a Polly Shore 
biodome. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, there's a biodome here in Antarctica. We have Rorschach and Night Owl have finally tracked down Ozymandias's little hideout down in Antarctica. They, as, as they approach, he kind of has an opportunity to tell his whole backstory both to his servants and then a little bit further elaborating to Night Owl and Rorschach as basically revealing his master plan. Simultaneously, we have a lot of our C-lister background characters that have been popping up in New York City. The the news vendor and the detectives. Therapist. And the therapist. Wife. And the, um, the taxi driver lady who's in a relationship and like some of the top-not punks. Like all of them, their, their stories kind of coalesce. They cross paths. It's a Larry and, David episode. Yeah, and we we get a <laughs> Larry David. I, I now I'm womp 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 It's just not the music I would pair with what scene was going down there, but it is a a, a culmination of a lot of the tensions that have been rising, and then we get the big shocking climax of yeah. the issue. And I was wrong. Clay, I've been so excited for you to get to this point because of the guesses you've had going up to here, how revolutionary this comic was at the time it came out, what a big deal it was for that big kind of plot twist that happens there. Yeah. And this one also seems a bit futuristic and it's kind of um, foreshadowing of events that I find really relevant to contemporary uh, politics and um, socio-economic issues that are being discussed right now. And I just thought it was it was a fascinating book to kind of – or issue to revisit and just be like, wow, a lot of this is really profound, really relevant. We're still arguing about these things and, and terrified about certain issues like this and – Certain issues, issue 12 or 11, <laughs> I'm sorry. Issue 11. Yeah. Um, we also get a, the conclusion of the Black Freighter storyline and see how that intertwines with uh, the the tale of our characters and how one can lose their chance at redemption, essentially, for what they may have thought was um, a quest for the greater good. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can you can go a little too far. Yeah, you know, there is such a thing as a dumb question. <laughs> right. Sometimes you can go too far, and I I did love that. That uh, look what we see at the end of this this issue, and you're right. I you know maybe maybe I did deserve that five star to four downgrade because I had no idea. And what's interesting about this is is that I was on Reddit. I guess maybe a week ago, right after we had done we had recorded uh, issue ten, and I think it was the next morning or something. And I'm on Reddit, and I see. It says chapter issue 11, just – it wasn't like a Watchmen uh, subreddit or anything. I think it was just like comic books or something. I don't know. And it shows Superman against Dr. Manhattan. Oh, right. Maybe that was like a spin-off. That's doomsday, doomsday Clock. There's exactly. a spin-off comic. OK. I was at work. I wasn't really paying attention and I thought, holy shit, is Superman going to make an appearance? So oh, usually, right. I, <laughs> usually I read these like kind of a day before. You know, the so art style radically changed. Yeah, I know. I didn't pay, yeah, I wasn't paying attention. So – I usually read these like a day before so that, you know, it's fresh, but still I've kind of soaked it in. 
So I read this one like a week ago because uh-huh. I was waiting for Superman. So I'm the, the whole time I'm reading it, I'm thinking, I can't wait. Here we go. Superman's jumping in. This is crazy. How'd they get the licensing for Superman? You know, blah, blah, obviously DC, whatever. And uh, no, it was the opposite. Superman wasn't there to save the day. Instead, we have a nuclear explosion. Right. So yeah, I was totally wrong. Wait, is that what you think happens? Um, what? Is it a nuclear explosion? Well, it's not necessarily a nuclear explosion, but there's a big bang. There is a big bang, but yeah, I mean, there's it's he crea- it's important. He, crea- he created that machine. Yeah, and here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to do something. Uh, go to chapter uh, twelve and flip through to the second and third page. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. Okay, I, I did it, and then I stopped myself because you know I don't do trailers. Yeah, I did it. That, that yeah, just that is all you need to see. Exactly. Um, there's a there's a big difference between what happened in the movie and what happens here, and that is the the genetic alien monster, <laughs> right? Versus just nuclear bombs. In the as movie. we call it, movie magic. <laughs> well, movie magic it actually movie, took it out. It was movie magic. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and start. I guess at the beginning. Sure. And. We are introduced to – well, first of all, what do you think about this cover? You're kind of the cover guy. I know people rely on your cover – you covering the cover. Well, I, I think that the cover is once again pretty profound. I, I looked at it initially and I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be getting from this. But once I read through the comic and then I look back at this, you see beautiful life being covered up by the snow. You see only a glimpse of this this vibrant life that's being, in a way, snuffed out by snow. It's being buried. It's being hidden. And when we hear the tale um, of Ozymandias and his his idols, the ancient Egyptians, the pharaohs, and the people who would take their closest servants and he they would bury them under sand and likewise he – Wanted to follow in their their place. Would Ozzy, well, but would, bury them not in sand, but in snow. Yeah. Would he? Do you think he's somebody who would play uh, Assassin's Creed, so he could relive, you know, those days? <laughs> that's that's the only way. Does he he seemed like, like an Assassin's Creed kind of guy. He would be wearing an Oculus Rift. I'm sure For he sure. would have had an early model of it. Yeah, he's an early adopter. Anyway, sorry to go. I mean, you were making a really beautiful point, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I I just think that. The little – the glimpse, the impression you get of what's lying underneath is both uh, relevant to the soliloquy, whatever it's called, not soliloquy, um, the the speech that he's giving. Yeah. As well as it's relevant to when he's talking – when he's recording in the very beginning his observations, he's talking about the process of absorbing a whole bunch of glimpses of information – and how you can – your brain can make spot on judgment and deductions off of that even in a subliminal sense. And he uses that in part to make his vast fortune that he's been doing. Um, I, I think that this cover kind of speaks to that. You're just getting a little brief glimpse of something more spe- spectacular that lies underneath. Yeah. But we can't see the full picture. Yeah. That also speaks to this issue. We are going to suddenly see the bigger picture underneath. Yeah, I mean, literally, the first word is observation. So this is an observation. It's a it's a great cover. Yeah, I thought so too. So I thought so too. The colors were beautiful, and it was actually kind of a different art style than we're used to seeing in in this comic book. These really vivid colors. 
but you know, there's a little bit of an abstract quality to it. Yeah. Anyway, really cool. I really liked it. What did you make of his initial speech into his recorder? He's talking about taking in all that information, watching the screens, how he's able to extract his data. And make Again, that's the more... thing. I think I talked about it last week. I don't think that's impressive. Is that impressive? Well, he, who he cares? Talks, he he talks about it a little bit more mundane. He's like, eh, it wasn't like the greatest thing I needed to record, but it's just an afterthought I wanted to put on tape. And I think that this is our first this is our first real introduction to who Ozymandias is. Well, and I'll say this, and you're completely right. And is, this is an introduction and an observation, I guess, from the first word of the comic of who he is. And what he is is somebody who is for so long in his business ventures and everything else, he's into like macroeconomics. He's into the macro so much and he's made a fortune doing that. And he's now – we see he will destroy like half of New York or something doing that. And he's so into the macro, seeing the ebb and flow of humanity, the way we go, the way maybe he thinks we should go, that he forgets about these like beautiful moments that are in the micro. He can't and, see the trees for the forest. I mean, not at all. He, <laughs> it's he can, the flip side. And he can't appreciate the forest, right? He can't appreciate the trees, not even seeing it. But it's like we see Dr. Manhattan, who we thought had no humanity, was it an issue or two ago, finally rediscover that and think that, wow, Lori's important. All these things came together to form one human being. Mm-hmm. That's such a beautiful thing. Whereas Vate, who actually ostensibly is a human, he is a human, he can't see it at all. And so we know, okay, I mean, you know, it's like anytime you, you start to kind of forget an individual suffering and an individual, individual joy and we're all yearning for things, we're all striving, and you kind of just look at the macro, you're going to have problems. And this guy's kind of done that, you know? I think that there's something very difficult for any sort of writer when you – when you make a character that is supposed to be one of the most brilliant people on the planet and you have to write the dialogue, not I mean, assuming you're not the most brilliant person on the planet, you have to pretend you can write as intelligently as that person needs to speak. Yeah, like who was smarter? Uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle or Sherlock? Yeah, right. But I mean, that's the that's the joke or not joke, but that's what people say. Right. Yeah. And know, who was smarter? And he has to one of them wasn't put himself into the shoes of Ozymandias. And what would Ozymandias, this brilliant, smartest man on earth, say in this situation? And, I mean, arguably, you could say that there are actually two super-powered ha- super individuals in the world of, of Watchmen. This is prior to them introducing, like, Superman and all those other people and saying they're all in the same universe. But you could say there's... Dr. Manhattan, and then there's Ozymandias. Yeah. Those are the two superheroes that exist because he is hyper-intelligent and he seems to be able to like channel that into and he's rich, being great at other things. And he's rich. Yeah. So he has toys and gadgets. Yeah. He's, he's like I got a superpower called wealth like Batman had in <laughs> 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 Green Arrow. I'm wealthy. Right. That right. is a superpower. He has a superpower called investment property. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I thought that, you know, first off, I think that's a big hurdle, being yeah. able to express to us who this individual is, like how smart are they? And is it – I guess my question to you is do you think that it is strictly intelligence? Do you think it's narcissism like confused as intelligence? Maybe one can breed the other. Right. You know, I mean maybe that will be his downfall is – 
his pride and his overconfidence in himself. Is it inextricable, you think? Like, can you can be you have, this smart without having to, like, being to a degree a bit of a narcissist? It's all about that, like, emotional, what is it? Like, your EQ or whatever? You know, you have your IQ and EQ or something. I don't really know because it just shows I'm not really emotionally developed. <laughs> okay. I don't really even know about it. No, but you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if your IQ is too high, do you lose some of that EQ? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not that smart. Well, for this being an introduction to how intelligent he is, I thought it was – it's obviously Alan Moore pulling out all the stops with his thesaurus, just hitting some big words and how – how he's talking is on a different level than I think any other character has expressed themselves thus far. I think there's there's a poetry to yeah. Rorschach in his journal. Yeah. But this is oh, someone writing their thesis. I absolutely love page three. Right after that, we get back to the dynamic duo. And we literally see Rorschach going, raunch, raunch, raunch. Because he's, <laughs> he's, he's eating green sugar cubes. Your favorite character's yeah, back. Yeah, my favorite character's back. And, and he's eating green sugar cubes. It's just funny. Like, you're right. He does have this, like, really wordy diatribe and stuff like that. You know, and then later he's going to talk about Alexander the Great and everything in Macedonia. And here, right in between, we have a, a quick segue or sojourn from that. And it's just our two dudes eating sugar cubes in the middle of the Arctic. Our trashy heroes just Antarctic. straight up littering on Antarctica. Come on, Rorschach. Put it. Put the wrapper but this in your was, pocket. But this was in the 70s or 80s, 80s, right? So, I mean, they didn't really care. Did they care about that? I mean, well, you remember in Mad Men, like, they would throw huge bags of trash out. <laughs> and I remember, like, asking my dad, like, that, that was or real. Or man, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. toss their trash everywhere. Exactly. Well, I, I don't know because I feel like there's, there's a part of the speech that Ozymandias is making later where he's talking about the effects that mankind will have even in the environmental sense. We're destroying this planet, and that rings so true yeah. right now. Even today, like scientists just came out and said, "Birds, we, we went, we went past the point of no return." Oh there's, yeah, there's parts of this that a lot of people are going to die from climate change. Now, there's no going back, no matter what we do. So, I'm like, yeah, oh, that's I mean, great. <laughs> and not only that, it's like climate change is a big thing. But you think about, and I don't want to be a pessimist here or anything, but they just came out too and they said that, you know, 29% of birds have disappeared since 1955 in, in North America. That's sad, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway. And bees, hey, the greatest thing you can do these days, guys, if it's allowed and if you know what you're doing, be a beekeeper. I think that's good advice. <laughs> Not where you thought this was going. I also think that you kind of made an interesting judgment on Ozymandias in relation to Dr. Manhattan and his his view of humanity. And I was curious, do you think that he's like completely detached from humanity? Vate or Manhattan? Uh, Vate, uh, Ozymandias. Because I, I would argue that he's Machiavellian in his actions here. He's doing something that's extremely drastic, but he ultimately sees this as a salvation for humanity. I don't think that he's necessarily looking for his profit, his angle in this. And I think there's there's also a little bit of interesting dialogue that happens between Night Owl and Rorschach as they're approaching where they're like, hey, we were looking at the paperwork that we took off of um, Vate's desk, Ozymandias' desk, as we were flying over here to the Antarctica. And... I don't think that he's actually just straight up looking to destroy the planet. He's He's got plans for 
afterwards for the future and who invests and plans in the future if you don't think there's going to be one. So, he has lost his touch on humanity when he makes the decision to kill innocent people. If he's this smart, he can also be smart enough to maybe help people change in other ways that doesn't involve blowing up little children in New York City. Right. I But I think what's interesting there mm-hmm. is that he does kind of map out his life history and how he ultimately came to this conclusion. And it's that, hey, I tried. I tried philanthropic gestures. I tried taking to the streets and taking down crime syndicates with my my own power. I, I tried using my my yeah, my wealth. I, I tried these other approaches and ultimately I concluded that there are forces that are too big that are beyond my control and the only way to untie that Gordian knot that is essentially the nuclear struggle was to take a sword to it, to make a lateral movement. And that is creating an alien. <laughs> this is his his solution. I agree. It's, it's fucking wacky. But if it pays off, if – I mean you, you've heard this idea that like the thing that would unite all of, all of humanity is if there were aliens. Suddenly we're no longer us versus us. We're us versus them and humans are great at having a them to fight against. Yeah, I would just rearrange the idea of tribe and who's your who's your tribe. No, yeah. for sure I get that. I Our just tribe don't would think expand. that would be true. Hmm. I think certain people like Lindsey Graham and Paul Ryan would probably side with the aliens if it got them, you know, some extra some extra rations, some extra chocolate bar Coca-Cola rations. <laughs> <laughs> They're sellouts. Yeah, they're Aunt Lydia's. I get it. Yeah. Um that was good. So yeah, you know, I don't know. I think I think this is a good a, a good. I always keep saying episode. Um, it feels like an episode. Yeah, I think it's kind of appropriate. So he's he walks over. He, he's the master at the controls, and he sees them approaching, and he's like, "Well, time no time like the present." And he just goes and walks over, and he looks in this kind of weird lab. You see this like green thing, but only like this corner of it. And then he pushes a button at eleven twenty five. Kind of washes his hands of it and like walks out of the room. Did you make anything of this the first time you read it? Absolutely not. I thought maybe he was like opening the door or something. You know, I, I didn't know. It is, yeah. It's, I thought he was turning off his TV screens. It's kind of just like this old fuddy duddy walking about his little palace, pushing buttons, doing things. The the significance of this is completely downplayed in this moment. He pushes a button and it's very notable at the time. It isn't even like a big deal for him. There's not a big celebration, yeah. really. Yeah, it's just and when we, when he says hello, my friends, I've finished my work now. You know, we all think, okay, he's talking about watching TV. Yeah, <laughs> he he he's done being a little couch potato. And hey, let's go get some wine. And then we see him actually meet up with his his servants, who are all wearing the exact same outfit. Yeah, these three little gentlemen servants. And they're all staying in this lush terrarium, which vivarium. Has a, what's it called? Vivarium. Vivarium. This is this is basically allowed his little lab to be zero emission, whatever. He's got plants. He's made his own little ecosystem out there. Sure. And he's not. In a way, also, it's like, oh, he's not adding to the waste of society. He has the intelligence. He has the resources to 
create a world that could be a paradise and this is a little microcosm of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is beautiful. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, I wish I could have this. <laughs> I think I just – I'm just – I don't like this guy because I'm just jealous. Is you that know? it? I, I do have a question. He's is, wearing you know, metal pants. Has he <laughs> – right, yeah. Has he uh, – did he plan it out? Like obviously his his three dudes are just androids or machines or something. Are they? They're robots. I don't think they're robots. Wait, well, how – I think they... he straight up, straight up poisons them. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he, he's like, robots. hey, let's all have a toast. And oh I'm going to talk to you guys. And he, this is when he tells that story about um, how okay. all of his. I thought they were robots who he had just he had planned everything down to the perfect minute, and he had just given them enough electricity or juice that they would just kind of stop listening, or they would you know die right N- then. No, this is this is him, you know, w- cleaning his tracks. Oh, he had already okay. exploded the ship in the last yeah, issue yeah, 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 yeah. for the people that helped him on that island make the the monster. And now he's getting rid of his servants who are the only other people who kind of know his whole deal. And he poisons them. And while he's doing it, he's talking about how all of the other greats throughout time, they also would have their servants buried in their tombs with them. Right, right, right. So right, their right. secrets would die with them. Right. And I I love the details of when he's telling that story and you see this guy one of the one of the servants is just holding that glass mm-hmm. and then you look at him again, he's in the exact same position. And then a butterfly lands on him. The sun is kind of uh rising or setting it seems. Yeah, and a butterfly lands on his face and he's still not moving. Then you kinda like, Oh, that other guy's head is back. Oh, they're all dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and then in that great symbolic gesture, he's talking about like how the other people would be buried in the sand. He opens up and destroys his vivarium, his lush green biodome inside of the Antarctica. He opens up the ceiling and lets it be buried in in the snowflake, so the snowfall, a- akin to his his uh, servants being buried in the sand and killing all the frogs and butterflies and everything else. Yeah, he kills everything. He's it's it's dark and twisted, but obviously he's he's broken from that degree of compassion that he may have once had. He's okay with killing animals. He's a monster. Yeah, and you know, we go right after that to our favorite pirate. <laughs> the pirate is back. Our only pirate, but our favorite pirate. Yeah. Um so the So talk about losing humanity. We find out the names of both the news vendor and the kid who's always there reading, they're both Bernies. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Isn't that wild? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought? I, I feel like Bernie is relevant once again yeah. nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it's a good name. It's, it's the everyman who, uh-huh. you know, can be old and cantankerous, but can also be youthful at times and, and optimistic about the future. And have some good points. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, 2020. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, not not that I'm a big Bernie bro, but eh, it's all right. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we 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 revisit the the Black Freighter, and this dude has obviously gone over to the other side. He's compromised on all of his values. He's his only redemption, it seems, is that he's about to brutally murder his wife, who he doesn't even recognize until he sees his kids. And then looks down and sees that it's his wife that mm-hmm. he's he's been beating, and he gets up and leaves. So he doesn't actually kill his wife. 
Thank goodness. But he's he's obviously lost his mind and his soul. He's murdered two other people on the beach, and he finds that he's now irredeemable. He's going to go join the Black Freighter and just become one of the crew. Yeah. Yeah, he realizes it. Yeah, and do you find that relates the most to Ozymandias in a way, that he's lost his humanity and he's... But Ozymandias doesn't realize it. He doesn't have that awareness. No, he's 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 patting himself on the back the whole damn time. Do you think this is more a, a bit symbolic of, of humanity itself, that we have all lost our way and we've all... We're all irredeemable in a way, and it doesn't matter if if uh, if Ozymandias is going to try and do this one big gesture to try and murder a bunch of people in order to save the rest of humanity, um, because we're we're a lost cause. I, this is more an, a question for yeah, you. Yeah, this, this is a deep, us in society deep conversation than just what's in this book. But that's kind of what I was wondering. I did – I mean there's redemption a little bit in our favorite pirate just because, yeah, he swims away. He goes to where he should be, right? Right. He knows that he's not going to do any more harm. He needs to embrace what he is now and get away from where it could harm people. OK. That's wonderful. He's got to take up the the cloth. He's a monk now. In a, a way. murdering monk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's going to be celibate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ozymandias – you know, this guy, pride goeth before the fall. I can't wait until issue 12 to see this guy fall. And the thing is, can he fall? Because, well, interesting. I wonder if Dr. Manhattan can mess with time and go back before the monster vagina blew up New York. Because otherwise, do there, we remember in the preview, the HBO show, did they deal with any nuclear stuff or like giant – did, did we see New York blown up? Interesting. I got to think about this. We see Tulsa mainly. I know we see Tulsa, which looks like New York blown up. There is a glimpse of the Washington Monument in one of the previews, and it's got this spinning disc mm-hmm. on the, at the top of it, and it seems almost like it might be a, a monument to Dr. Manhattan. Hmm. So that's kind of interesting. And if we did go back in time, how would people know about – Rorschach's diary. Is it the same diary they're referencing? See, now you're starting to kind of put together the pieces before you read that final chapter. Yeah, I don't know. Which, I just, is that fun for you? I don't know. Yeah, it is what it is. It's natural, you know. Um, I, yeah. know I know what happens, essentially. I know you do. And, you know, that's why you're our one reviewer's favorite podcaster on this. <laughs> uh, let's get to the fight. Shut up, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I don't, I'm tired of talking about philosophy. Let's get to the fight. Okay. Let's get to the fight when our favorite dynamic duo, they eat a couple sugar cubes, they litter in Antarctica. <laughs> which, by the way, I mean, I don't know if dear listeners know this. I like dear listeners. Sounds like we're like Russian. We're Soviets. Our dear listeners, you you had a fascination about Antarctica for a while. Right. Do, do you still? I mean, I, know, I remember yes, you, you I wanted to go. Yes, I would love to go visit there. You were looking at like National Geographic things where you could go live there for like three months and you were trying to apply for like a thing. You would do media and record it. You would record people's journeys to Antarctica and you would go live there. Uh, yeah. Th- th- this was an undergrad. This was – yeah. I was definitely considering it. I don't think I fully like seriously pursued it. It's before you took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I did want to go down there because I think there's just – there's something majestic and pristine about 
Antarctica in that it is a place where you can truly travel and walk where no one else has walked before. You adding some atmosphere, really opening that beer there. <laughs> and I, yeah, I would love to go down there. I, have you seen photos of the dead penguins? No, man. It is don't so make it cold. Sad. They don't decompose. So a lot of Antarctica is covered in penguin shit and penguin corpses. Okay. And they walk over their dead bodies. <sighs> Why are you trying to ruin this for I'm me? I'm just saying that it's a place, you know. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a rapidly diminishing place because we're melting everything. So it's okay. Yeah, uh, no. So, yeah, I mean, Antarctica. They'll float so, off into the ocean and then there'll be little frozen bite snacks for orca whales. Let me, yeah, right. Let me ask you this. We've seen the vivarium here. Mm-hmm. You're somebody who loves Antarctica. You might know about it. You have interesting, you know, hobbies. You know about some weird niche shit. Do you think there's anything else going on? Like, do you think there's like a NORAD? Is there a secret base in Antarctica that we should know about? Also, there was Alien vs. Predator, highly underrated movie. I know you're going to laugh at me. It's actually a very good movie, and I think that was in Antarctica. I mean, it's it's no Daredevil's director's cut, but it's pretty good. I don't think there's actually any secret bases down there. I mean, there's bases, there's research facilities, but I don't... I don't see a lot of the the merit of having to travel all the way down there to conduct your secret actions when people could just, you know, have a mountain here. I mean, we have secret bases all over the U.S. Why go all the way down there? Right. So did, how was Area 51? Did you go? Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. I went and raided the compound with everyone. Cool. With, all, with, all, with all 23 people. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, was, I was the lucky number 23. Kept it around. Michael Jordan jersey number. Um, yeah. So they bust in here. They bust in. And I, I really love it. Like this – although at the end people get blown up, we think. I mean, well, we know because you know, I went ahead a couple pages and I never do that. But really there wasn't a ton of action. But this was some sweet action. He's sitting there eating. He's kind of like at a Batman, Bruce Wayne long table. And he sees the reflection in his gold-plated uh, serving dish. It's pretty dope. It's, it's super sweet. And I think it's funny because Alan Moore loves reflections. You know, and a lot of his covers, he always has reflections. He's really into lenses and everything like that. Faces staring back at people. Reflecting on your past. Yeah. And this is just really Rorschach thinking somehow he's going to sneak up on him. Well, well, Rorschach operates in – he's a survivor. He's a brute force kind of survivor kind of guy, right? Yeah. In a way. But he's also – He's a Ben Roethlisberger. He's he's a principled brute. Yeah. And his his just – punch first, ask questions later kind of mentality is the way that like Night Owl was like, uh, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. And then he, not, He's a threat. We should try and do that first. And Night Owl decides to put a laser gun at him, laser pointer. And it doesn't matter. Like the whole sequence where Ozymandias just dismantles them both effortlessly it seems. And who is the character that it – I mean if we look at top of page 17, who are you thinking about? Um, in the in the know. pink? Come on, yeah, Captain America. Oh, oh, and he's deflecting the deflects the, and then throws it. Throws the shield. Yeah, Cla- yeah, liter- yeah, classic. Yeah, that's Sweet a pretty great cap. sequence. Yeah, little little nod to the MCU that wasn't even around yet. But I I love that as this carries out, he he quickly makes short work of them. He hurts them, but leaves them okay that he can like just like chat with them. Yeah. He's he's not about to subdue them. He's not about to kill them or anything. He's just like, ah, okay, hey guys, 
we have a history, and I recognize you guys are coming from a good place. You don't know what's going on. I'll start explaining it to you. And Rorschach is undeterred. He's still going to get back up, pull a fork, and try and stab him in the back. He gets whooped again. It's a golden fork, too, which is so <laughs> sweet. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Rorschach's getting I, – I love it because we've been presented with Rorschach as a very formidable fighter up yeah, to this point, right? Absolutely. And no, he can't. He can't even hold his own here at all. He's good at it. Well, I don't even know the correct term. I'm sorry. The guy in prison who is smaller than the others. Yeah. What's the What's the correct term? Um, he's the little guy, the underdog. Uh, okay. Give what me you, another term. What are you trying to go for? Right. I, I don't know. I just remember that I was in it's Mexico taboo. City a few weeks ago <laughs> and I saw a three v three of such people oh, a little wrestling person. in Lucha Libre. You're trying to so find I the really, PC term for a, a little yeah, person. Yeah, because I think earlier in another podcast I asked about wife beater and you're not allowed to say that anymore either. So I don't really know where I am. What is what is 2019? Is it not okay yeah. to say what? Well, I think wife beater. The noun or the verb? <laughs> Which one's not okay, people? I'm getting confused. Uh, not a funny joke. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. It is funny because he has been set up. If, if he can do one thing, he can fight. Right and now he can't fight and he can't listen because he keeps trying to fight when he should be listening. And we we see that he's like Night Owl has an intellectual ability. He's smart. He's he's savvy with tech, and he's completely outmatched by Ozymandias. the 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 brutality of of Rorschach is outmatched. So they're left with no other option but to sit there and listen as he kind of talks about his history with them. How he had tried to do the right thing. He had tried to become a superhero to take down these these bad crime syndicates to join up with other people. And he really gives us more insight into the comedian. He makes some actually some pretty big accusations here. Yeah, he does. I, really quickly though, what do you think was the saddest part about um, Dan's nose getting broken? This feels like you're... There's only, no. There's only one answer. There's only one right answer. What? But it's pretty easy. The fact that he could get blood that couldn't wash out of that sweet ass coat he has on. <laughs> He's gonna have to go to the dry cleaner. But he can't go to the dry cleaner because they've been destroyed in New York City. His favorite dry cleaner's probably been blown the fuck up. He's gonna have to go to Tulsa or some shit, right? Oh my! He's gonna have to wait 35 years to to clean that damn thing. Yeah. Sorry. So so you said we get, we get the insight of. His interaction with the comedian who he basically uh, accuses of having committed the Kennedy assassination. Yeah. But he also accuses him of essentially killing another superhero, the Hooded Justice, which is kind of the same thing that Ozymandias has been accused of. He's been killing other superheroes. That's kind of how this whole thing started. Potato, potato. Yeah. He he was the one who killed – the comedian, I shot the sheriff, but the sheriff killed JFK. Yeah, I'm still wondering why you had to bring up the Bernie bro thing. I mean, like, just let people be people, man. <laughs> you know? God. Was that the problem? I know Warren's pulling my heartstrings now, but come on. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that it's it's – we see two people who might be more alike than they are different. You wouldn't really think so because everybody loved Vate, remember? I mean, right. he was he had TV specials and people just thought he was a great philanthropic dude. He's a golden dude. boy. Absolutely, he's Tom Brady, right? TB twelve. Oh, don't say Tom Brady. TB twelve. No. I don't. I, no. TB twelve. Stop. Do you know what TB twelve is? Tom Brady jersey number twelve. Yeah, but it's also his. It's also his like workout nutrition thing. 
No, I didn't know that. It's a it's a weird thing. Okay, because he, he he eats like spinach and is he, it like goop? Like yeah, kind of like Gwyneth Paltrow. He's eating soylent people. Okay, it's people. Gross. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, and then he steams he he steams his yoni. What's yoni? When Gwyneth Paltrow came out and said that you should steam your yoni, is that your vagina? Yeah, and it's really bad for you. <laughs> God. <laughs> I didn't. It, I mean, we don't. We don't she know. Calls it her yoni. I think maybe it's probably like one of those yoga terms. Oh fuck! So Diana's getting a massage, and so she was looking at the different ones. Like Diana, shi- your girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's like there's shiatsu, mm-hmm. there's Swedish, and then there's lome lome. And she's like, "Do you think I should get lome lome?" Okay, what and is lome lome? It, it, it just sounds like sushi. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's go get sushi. I don't know. Maybe it comes with like a free California roll. What's lome <laughs> lome? I don't know. And then there's those like there's reiki. Right, which they don't actually touch you. It's oh. just like energy. It's an energy massage. So like, what are you paying for? Yeah, that's a, that's a scam. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I'm like, okay. She was thinking, should I do 60 minutes, 90 minutes, or an hour, or you know, 120 minutes? I was like, well, you know, I can't even stay awake for more than 20 minutes in John Wick three. <laughs> so there's no way I would enjoy a two hour massage because I would sleep through the whole thing. You know? Do you think you would like it even if you're asleep? I no. Have you had a, have you had a paid massage? Yeah, I n- I've never had one. Oh, I've had some awful ones. I've had some good ones, and I've had some awful. Well, who are you? Ones. Who are you paying? You just like paid like. Um. Are I, these are these? I, I got one accredited people. I, it doesn't matter. We don't have to talk about this. <laughs> Patreon. We'll, we'll save it for Patreon. Yeah, this is behind the paywall. <laughs> I'll talk. I'll talk to you guys about awkward massages there. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh. I don't know where I was going with that. But if anybody knows what Lome Lome is, please slide into Grant's DMs and let them know. Because <laughs> we're, we're trying to pick a massage. Back to sliding in my DMs. Well, yeah, no, he, he outlines that – Osmanius outlines that he basically saw the writing on the wall of humanity's plight. That ultimately they were – there's moving toward mutual, mutual – um, what's it called? Annihilation. Uh, mutually assured destruction, self-destruction. Mutually assured annihilation. Mad. Yeah. And that the only way he could see out of this was that he had to do something even more momentous to kind of pull the attention away from that. And so it was a little bit of a a race against the clock, uh, against inevitability of the, the bombs being dropped, that he set forth this plan with an island to research genetic mutilation, uh, no, genetic modification. Yeah. Research, um, which is how Bubastis, his cat, got made. Thank God. But um, also teleportation. He was basically basing a lot of science off of the stuff that Dr. Manhattan could do mm-hmm. and even like encouraging Dr. Manhattan to research stuff on his own mm-hmm. so that he could use that research and learn from it to do his own secret projects. Right. So, yeah, he, he'd been – Pulling the strings and manufacturing – these shell corporations that were investing in th- – yeah. Mm-hmm. And manufacturing a story and a Lovecraftian horror monster that he had a team help devise a story and um, a, a creature out of that they made that he's going to d- teleport, drop into New York explode. and then explode it and yeah. have its weird squid tentacled body – Everywhere and half of the New York population dead. Right. Yeah. That was a nice summary. And damn, that was good. That's pretty 
pretty fucking intense. I yeah, think it really is, and that's why I don't see him as a hero. Well, you keep trying to you keep trying to justify him for some weird reason. I think another important aspect of this this was written in 1985, right? Cold, this is Cold War still going. This is during the Cold War, and right when like tensions were pretty high about this whole idea that the bombs were going to get dropped. They thought that either Reagan or Gorbachev or was it Gorbachev? Am I fucking wrong about that? Oh, Shit. Anyway, we thought that Russia was going to, um, you know, lob the bomb as well. And people were running drills all the time and we were hiding under desks. Remember no. that? No. We were in school right around yeah, then. Yeah, I, I – Oh, wait. Re- but I was over in Germany. I don't. Okay, show off. Whoa. Jeez, cool. <laughs> I lived over in Germany Okay, the gut, guten Morgen. Yeah. Uh, schnitzel. Danke, Shane. Um, Berliner. Yep, there you go. That's all the ones we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> We're German. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I just want to say something here about okay. this guy. I'm sitting there watching a PBS show with my dad. And I'm a kid about the Amish. Okay. I remember thinking, whoa, I was like seven years old. I thought, that's a cool society. I want to research that. You know, I don't want to go join, but I'm like, whoa, maybe that's the way to live. And then my dad said, yeah, but, you know, the people that want to get out, somebody's telling them they have to live like that. You know, like limiting their free, limiting their freedom. They have to live a certain way. The women can't choose who to marry, yada, 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 yada. Right. Same thing with him. I don't care how good his intentions are. He's telling people how to live and he's going to kill them. If you were presented with a choice, it's, it's the go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby thing, right? Wouldn't do it. If you could go back and kill that baby... And erase all of that pain? It would probably pop up somewhere else just from how the world was at that time. See, I mean, I think you're making a, a very good point. Like, if we went back now, we would p- potentially erase all of our history, all of the other beauty that has popped up in the world since then. And you don't even know what the alternate reality is yeah. from that. Yeah, We know what this reality is. That one's such a, a crazy crapshoot. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's better to dance with the devil you know. I mean, these are – it's kind of like fucked up like thought experiments, right? Because it, it, it in, a way, in a way feels a little bit callous toward that, but that's not at really the point. It's so that me, so it's an unknown this. quantity me, of changing the past. Let me ask you this. Now we're here about to go to the last issue in a week with our lucky Patreon winner. Okay. Right, right. What's the point of this book? People say this is so life-changing. This is so genre-altering and maybe genre-establishing because I think before this, at least – well, that's not true. But you know, comic books these days – hope I don't know. I don't want to say hopefully. But they're not really seen as something that like eight-year-old kids read. But they certainly were when we were kids, right? Yeah. These days it's like, OK, they're, you're kind of in the know. You're kind of – I don't know. I don't know if that's even true. But I, I think it's it's been a range. Like comics were made for kids in the forties and fifties and yeah. maybe up through the seventies, but then there was a lot of like adult comics kind for of coming sure. out. There was a there was adjustments and adaptations that were appealing primarily to adults. Yeah. And there were directions that a lot of these characters are going that this is a direct commentary on. But let me ask you this too because I wonder if like we're just kind of 
in a, in a kind of a echo chamber minority here. Do you think the average comic book reader – okay, and I don't even know how to, to establish that, but obviously there's surveys and stuff you could do. The, av- the average comic book reader, would they know about um, – let's even say just like Image or Vertigo? Or do you think they would, the average comic book reader, and I don't mean somebody who watches The Flash on TV, because that's not a comic book reader. That's like somebody who watches like the WB or whatever, CW, whatever it's called now, right? So you're an average comic book reader. Do you even know about um, Why the Last Man? Do you know about Fables? Do you know about Lucifer? Yes. You think so? Okay. I think the average one, the one who kind of spends their time going to a comic book shop yeah. week after week, I think they, they check around. I think and you I have think to. You, be c- a- you could only walk to X-Men so many times, but passing that over before you kind of ask like what's up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, most people that are average readers will oftentimes go up to the comic book shop owner and just ask for recommendations. And I think it's inevitable that yeah. they'll recommend that based on people that are looking for something different than what the – they know through pop culture. Okay, your first comic book series that you got into that maybe you like looked for quarters under the couch for that you did errands that you mowed lawns to 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 get books for. What was it? Dude, I I didn't read comics as a kid. Until college? Yeah, I didn't okay. read it until college and this was one of the earlier comics that I read like wow. that a friend had. Okay, I was Age of Apocalypse all the way. Yeah. That was my first one. I think I was like 10. Kick ass. And then college Somebody left Red Sun at the house. Oh, shit. That's and I was one. like, oh, shit. This is for real. It's kind of like growing up a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. s- still very firmly in the camp of superheroes, but whoa, from a different perspective. Well, we've, we've kind of lost track of the question that you Sorry posed, and that. I think it was a good question. Um, what, what do we think was the message of this comic? And I, I want to ask you first. I know we haven't gotten to the last issue. But what do you feel was the value of this? And do you not feel that it – it's lived up to the hype? So I don't – I often don't like it when things – when pieces of art are thought experiments. It really bores me because it's just set up so that the author can have a reason to tell everybody what they want them to know or, or the way they want them to think. Like Tom Robbins, if anybody is listening and likes to read like fun fiction, he's awesome. But after you read like three or four of them, you know, okay, we know where this is going. You know, no, it doesn't matter about the character. They're all kind of replaceable in that sense. Yeah, they're, Dan Brown. Exactly. They're, real, <laughs> they're really fungible. Like they're really fungible. You can copy them easily. It doesn't matter who's in there. So this, I, you know, it's a little bit of a thought experiment because obviously we talk about philosophy here and what things are and, and, you know. But I don't think it was a thought experiment. I think it was better than that. I really love the characters. I love the deep dives. I love the setup that, hey, this is kind of – Almost what a lot of TV is these days, you know, instead of just having 24 to 20, I mean, I don't know how many episodes you said, like how many episodes of Friends were there per season? 24? Mm, 22, yeah. 28? I don't know. Okay. About 22 to 24. Okay. You know, these days now you make a more expensive show like on HBO, Showtime or whatever. I don't know the different channels, right? And it might be eight to 12 episodes. But, ten, 10 episodes for season one of Watchmen. Okay. So, so, and, it says, and you're going to have a sweet arc and you're going to have time to dive into things. And it's almost better than a movie in that sense. In mm-hmm. a lot of ways, I think that's why people are glomming on to to TV these days, right? Right. And this is kind of like that for me. This has been a lot of fun to, you know, even if I don't love each issue, and I think there are there are valuable parts each, each issue, but even if it doesn't just capture me and there's not a ton of action or whatever, it's still so fun to look at the thing as a whole, right? I'm I'm just kind of I'm amused in how well read you are. Like you you read a lot. You read all the time. 
you go through a lot of books in yeah. a much quicker pace than me. And Well, but you have that nice you, thing where you can just do the two times on Audible. Yeah, Since yeah. you listen instead of reading. I just listen to yeah, Audible. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I can't do that. But the fact that like the thing you keep kind of hearkening back to is how much you want just action moments yeah. in comics. Is it because that your view of comics is that it should just be action-driven? Well, I don't like – for instance, I don't like it sometimes in Powers with, with Bendis mm. or with Amazing Spider-Man or whatever. What was that? What, was it? Was that the one when the, he did the spider? You know, obviously he did. He did a lot of them, right? But he Bendis. did like, yeah. I didn't like it when the thought bubble was like as big as the whole panel. Right. He would do that a lot. I don't like that. I like movement in comics. I like the idea that you know you have a, you have a hand back here in one panel. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I know we're not on video, but, you know, my hand's back over, you know, to the right of my head. And then the next panel, you have the follow through and the guy's tooth is knocked out. And just that – just your brain is doing something there and it's working. I, I love that about comics. That's what I've always loved about it and that interplay with dialogue and with movement and your brain filling in the movement that's not there. Well, I think and, these are extremely dynamic and there's there's action and movement throughout. Oh, I do too. I think in some in that regard. But I think just like a novel, you have lulls of that. And, you know, you might get kind of – in certain parts, you get kind of slow and they focus more on character development and everything like that. And then you have some action. So I think that this is like – to me, I think I mentioned it in a couple podcasts. Like this is more like a novel. And so maybe that did change the medium. I don't know. I don't know what came before it. And it is really rare even now like what what's come after it because I think even if you do read some more independent comic books, when do you get this self-contained drama that's 12 issues? I, I don't – I'm trying to think of another one. I mean – it's extremely profound. I think that his a lot of his motive was, and this is what's been repeated ad nauseum, it's a deconstruction of the superhero genre. And I think that's an accurate way to say it, which is why it's been repeated so often. He has taken what were a lot of the norms, a lot of the tropes, a lot of the patterns of superheroes, and he's he said, hold up, let's take a step back and actually think what is a world like where there are superheroes, what are the problems there? Yeah. What are the what if we actually apply a lot of real real world, real human emotion and and pathos to these characters that are going to drive them not necessarily to heroics all the time, but there's there's a lot of self-interest that's driving these individuals. Yeah. And if they do something heroic, what's in it for them? What are we not seeing? What's happening behind the scenes? How do some people lose their grip on humanity? How do some people take it too far? And this this whole thing just like it, it turned the the genre on its ear. And, and, I, and, and, I, and I think that people reading it now, kind of like me, I mean, you're right. Even listening to you right there, I thought, oh, shit, I'm looking at this from 2019 where, you know, right now just on Amazon alone, we have what was it called? The Boys. Right. Which kind of like looks at that type of like superhero that you're talking about, right? All these the other ones owe everything to this. Exactly. Right? And we and maybe in 1985 or 6 or whatever, you didn't have that. So that makes this even more profound. So, I mean, even me talking about it just then I kind of lost sight of it. And maybe this is why Lost co-creator Damon Lindelof, I'm reading the back jacket, says the greatest piece of popular fiction ever produced. Yeah. Holy shit. You notice the cab company – like we didn't even talk about the very human element, the just regular New Yorkers in the street um, and the drama that, that kind of unfolds here. But um, the cab company is called Prometheus mm-hmm. that she drives for mm-hmm. and Prometheus was the, the Greek god who essentially created man and then gave him fire. 
um, the, the liver liver, the, pro- liver problems for the rest of his life. The the, the God that that created everything is a a featured character as well as the the God in a way as uh, Ozymandias, the one who is brings their destruction to an <laughs> to an extent. And I think that there's there's a really beautiful and important moment that we kind of skipped over in what's going on with the the regular people, the Joes on the street. And that is that there is tension that's ramped up. There are all these relationships that are strained. There's the brothers that one is a locksmith and one works for the taxi cab company who are, mm-hmm. are actually brothers that yeah. are are trying to to just hang out and 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 you know be brothers. They they just want to hang with each other and get be a bur- beer. Bernie Bros. There's the relationship between Joey and her girlfriend who's part of the uh the top knots and she's they're going through a breakup and it, it causes her to lash out because she's getting made fun of because of, she's showing emotion about it and she's in a, in a way embarrassed about her homosexuality. Yeah. And so she lashes out at her girlfriend and starts assaulting her Which on the could street. you imagine I mean in the 80s it was even it's a whole different animal. We and we we the see therapist. the Yeah, we see the detectives um yeah. that were basically thrown off the case that they were investigating and they 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 are off the clock. But they still see an assault going down, and one of them's like, "I can't deny who I am. I need to protect people if I have that opportunity." And then, like you said, the therapist, who's wearing a weird helmet, a weird cloth, maybe throwback Harvard Yale football nineteen twenty five helmet. <laughs> it does seem weird. He keeps wearing that. That's his cold weather hat. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we do see, you know, and I wonder too. I I think that a lot of it is just kind of daily drama. We, we all live with anxieties. We all live with tension. I mean, that's life, right? Without that, there wouldn't be art. There wouldn't be anything. Um, but do you think it's also obviously ratcheted up because of this anxiety that people are going through with Dr. Manhattan gone and that's what's going on? Absolutely. And it's just like, you know, in in The Stranger with Camus, they say, you know, like, why, why'd you kill him? You know, because he killed that, he killed the Algerian dude. I don't know this book or this reference, but you can keep going. Yeah. Camus? Uh, Albert no. Albert Camus? No, no idea what you're talking about. The Stranger? No, I'm sorry. One of the okay. Well, you know, the pie, <laughs> he's the piano noir that stranger was Stranger is when you sit on your hand okay, and it goes okay, numb, okay. right? Jesus, <laughs> that's that's yeah, my familiarity. Did, you just with splash the some electric jellyfish on your hand, get it drunk, <laughs> and then do what you want with it. Uh, so he they they ask him, you know, the authorities, the gendarmes come up to him after he kills the Algerian, and they're like, and by the way, this is like this is a famous French novel, mm. okay. Um, and they say, why'd you do it? And he's like, cause it was hot. And he always talks about the blinding light in Algeria, blah, blah. And it was just hot. And they, I'll tell you what, after my first summer back in Austin in six or seven years, I can attest to that. I've wanted to keep drag. I've wanted to kill people when it's 114 degrees. Yeah. But I think there's on the flip side, there's something more important that happens here, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. On the pages, it's, it's that we see the tension ratchet up. We see these people getting in a fight, the, the girlfriends getting in a fight and the assault happening. And we see what is essentially a every Spider-Man movie that's come out moment. Eh, 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 eh. The New Yorkers ooh, ooh, show ooh. that despite the fights, despite the tension, humanity wins. 
it overpowers this. And I think that is such an important point. You see the cops stop to try and um, break up the fight. Yeah. You see the therapist say, I know you don't want me to get involved, but this is just what I have to do. I know that I bring my baggage into our relationship as a result of me trying to help these people as a therapist, but I I have to try and break up this fight because I, that's I love the right that, thing to do. We thought he was going to commit suicide after that last one. It was so this such shows... a great redemption, right? Absolutely. I really loved that. That was, and, that was really heartwarming. And even this this Bernard guy, the news vendor, he's he's a guy who's like, I after my wife died, I've been here doing this job just so I can make connections with other people. And I feel like I'm, I always fail. I can't do it. But he sees one of his only friends assaulting someone across the street. And he goes to try and stop it too. We see all these these New Yorkers rise up and and see a problem, and they're all trying to do the right thing and then what to does, stop and it. And then what does the rich person who think thinks he knows best end up doing? Blows them to fucking smithereens. And isn't that the bigger commentary <laughs> of this comic book? Exactly. It is the people with the power are the problem. The Precisely. people with unchecked power. Who watches the Watchmen? This is the whole thing. It's the people that have their finger on the the nukes, the presidents. They're the problem that's driving the tension. And the, the innocent people, the commoners on the street, they're ultimately fine. There's going to be skirmishes here or there. There's going to be a, a murder of Hollis Mason here or there. But other ultimately, these people will band together as a society and do the right thing. But when we have people in positions of power that are unchecked, they're the ones that can control the fate of the rest of us. So the Watchmen are not necessarily the superheroes we thought. No. And very interesting. Yeah. Exactly. That's the exact – that's exactly the point. And it's a sweet point. It's an important point. And that is why I think this it's is a, it's so a resilient. lap point. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'll go with that. No. So this – this issue to me, obviously, it's setting things up for the last one. Um, you know, I, I've never liked Ozymandias that much as a character. I know I've said that to you over the last couple months. So this issue to me was kind of like, womp, womp. He's just going to pontificate. He's a rich dude. I don't want to hear him talk. I don't care. You know, give me a ticket or give me a lecture. Don't give me both. Right. You know? So. It's it's going to be good. Is it? I I know. I like it. I don't know how you'll feel I've seen about the it. I've read the first three pages, which were just giant splashes of death and destruction. Do you find that you're a reader or a, a digester of entertainment who will build up in their mind an expectation? And if, you, if it's not to a degree met by how the artist portrays it, you're disappointed? Fuck no. I hate criticism. Are you just kind of along for the ride? I don't think I have any – and I know I get it. We're on a podcast critici- critiquing a work right now. I don't even think we're doing that. I think we're talking about it. You know, criticism is a varied – You're right. It is a gray area there. Yeah. But word. you know, I don't believe in it. I don't think – I think it's so much easier to knock something down than build something up. Even – hey, you know, talking about Lindelof. I was completely fine with the end of Lost. I know that's sacrilege to tell people. I loved it. I came back from the Peace Corps. I read that in a coffee shop because I didn't even have a TV at the time. So I was sitting there with a laptop crying in a coffee shop with headphones on, you mm-hmm. know? And who am I to say that it wasn't the right way to do it? I mean, I, I, I love the scene whenever – what's his name and what's her name at the at – the, at the, what was it? like you know, Sawyer they, and oh, – um, They're getting candy bars or something and they bump oh, into yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. Christ on a cupcake. That Sawyer was so beautiful. That was right. beautiful. Right. 
holy shit. You know, so who am I to say, like, until I write something, get something published, who am I to say anything? So I never build things up. I'm just kind of there for the ride. And my, and the thing is my favorite, my favorite times with media, and I mean painting, books, movies, whatever, it's whenever I just feel like, oh, wow, I feel lucky to, like, be a part of this, you know? And I know it sounds dumb, but, like, okay, grew up always reading Lord of the Rings as a kid. My dad read those to me when I was a baby. First memory is actually him reading those to me. So then whenever the movies came out, awesome. I remember thinking, this is really cool. This is a great interpretation. This is fun. You know, I'm lucky to be here. And right now I'm kind of feeling like, hey, I'm lucky to be reading this. I can't wait till the next issue. I'm just enjoying it. I don't care how it ends. And the best thing is another two, three weeks, we have the HBO show starting, which is the whole reason we're here, the raison d'etre. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is very exciting. I think that I think there's plenty of room and it exists. The sites, the podcasts, the criticisms that just want to take something someone else made and tear it down without offering insight to areas where maybe it didn't resonate. It didn't hit on the notes that it was attempting. Maybe sometimes people take big swings and they miss, right? Are you you talking about the movie? (laughs) (laughs) I, I think it's fair to criticize certain elements and yes i will do it when we watch that movie and we talk about that which is probably coming up soon but at the same time you i it's it's not lost on me that like someone made something incredible they brought something into this world and we get a chance to experience it and there's beauty in that even if i don't love every drop of it can i criticize one thing okay Uh, are we going long i mean what's our time here we're going long, but we're talking. We're, okay. we're, we're nearing the end of these. Whatever. Let me. Yeah, I mean, you can you can tune off. <laughs> Don't tune because off because I like. I mean, I brought up Biodome mm-hmm. with Pauly Shore, right? Right. And I wasn't kidding. Like I would rewatch that. And actually, I want to rewatch it now that I said it because now it's kind of wet my appetite for that. Um, I watched something that was actually so bad. I actually I didn't turn it off, but I finished it. But it took me about four <laughs> nights. Okay. Go on. Have you ever heard of a little movie called Jupiter Ascending? Oh, my God. No. I told you, you not oh, to watch fuck. it. You did tell me last Friday. I said it's going to be bad. Diana and I were watching but it. But you said you liked Valerian. She, and so I said, okay, fuck it. Valerian's go for it, a good movie. <laughs> maybe, maybe he swung a little too hard, but he didn't miss. Okay. He, did, he at least got – he contacted with a knuckle. <laughs> okay. Jupiter Ascending. Uh, okay. Is it a rising or ascending? Jupiter Who the fuck rising. cares? Jupiter rising? Jupiter ascending? Jupiter – okay. I've never seen anything that bad in my fucking life. Have and you wh- seen Valerian? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Daredevil? The, have you seen Daredevil the director's cut? Not hurting me there. <laughs> this was god awful. I, I don't know. Like do they just think, OK, we do 12 minutes of action and then we have a character turn to the other and say – I think I might always fall for the bad boys. You're a bad boy and I love you. Oh my god. This is this was uh Wachowski's that did this, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they had done Speed Racer. They did Speed Racer, Ooh, they did Matrix. Great. They well, also yeah, no did I know Cloud Atlas. <laughs> so So I actually never saw that. Oof. And no. I don't I don't want to. I don't care. Anyway, worst movie. That's actually I think the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> okay. So well, there you go. Watchmen will be better. We we are back on our hey, criticism wagon. Can, can I please uh, actually get back to Watchmen really quickly? Yeah. Just for one. So do you think there is – and I hate to get back to philosophy, blah, blah, blah. It's boring. But do you think there is one philosophical point to be made about the fact that, you know, here we've been building up since chapter one, issue one, 
you know, it's at one o'clock and then it's at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock. We're waiting till midnight for something to happen. Right. right. And that's we always wait for the doomsday clock to hit midnight. Here is it this idea that, hey, it's already happened. We're already past that point of no return, kind of like you talked about, that you might be waiting until midnight the environment, and you yeah. might be waiting until 1148 to make a change. And you think, OK, we're going to get serious now. It's 1152. Fuck. You've, at 1125, you've already, you've already done the death knell. Yes. Death I'm knell. so glad that you brought that back up. When he says one of the, the best lines in here, I did it 35 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just – I love how he also makes a mockery of – I'm not a Republic serial villain. Do you think I would seriously take the time to explain my masterstroke if there remained even the slightest chance chance of you affecting the outcome? Right. I did it 35 minutes ago. And those guys are just like just dumbfounded. And, the slightest at the chance, the sli- and Rorschach's looking at his golden fork thinking, fuck, I almost stabbed you with this thing. I'm going to end this. <laughs> it's, it's just so perfect. The, the whole clock. You're right. We've been watching, waiting for the culmination, and the culmination happened when we weren't even paying attention. Yeah. yeah. It happened in a, a fairly innocuous-looking scene where he just goes and pushes a you button. the Beatles said, life's what happens when, you, when you're making plans or something. So really quickly, I know we're almost done here. The last page. Yeah. It, it fades. And who does it fade on? I mean, I'm not actually getting teary-eyed, but it does actually – like I just got goosebumps looking at it because I don't think I looked at it that closely the first time. Ah. It's fucking beautiful, man. And it's really sad. It's really heartbreaking to see. It is also hearkening back to the cover image and the people being buried in snow. They're being buried in the light of an explosion. It's that that arrow. Exactly. But, yeah, it is the exact same shape of the life that's being snuffed out. And it's our Bernies. It's our Bernies. Our Bernie bros hugging each other. He's, He's holding and trying to protect him. His last act is a heroic act. And it doesn't matter. He's gone. He's a, he's a goner. We end on a very famous quote from Ozymandias by Percy Bysshe Bish Shelley. Um, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. And that is so profound in so much as it's this boasting of this great god. Look on his works, and his works are ruins. The sands of time have covered and blanketed all that we find precious as our, our works in our lifetime. And that's not what one, what one should focus on. Absolutely heartbreaking. I'm wondering how we're going to pick up the pieces. And I guess we'll find out in a week. But we're not going to wrap up real yet. Yeah. Because I put up a question post on Instagram. And I know we're running long. But I wanted to, I wanted to at least answer a couple of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let's do that. And, and by the way, I mean, you've been doing a lot on Instagram. I don't have social media. Diana says you've been doing a lot. She says it looks snazzy. Yeah. And you've now come up with these like little audio, I'm little 30-second little thir- guys or one-minute guys. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I try and post on all of our social media, but I am I think I've been focusing a bit on Instagram just because it's a little bit more fun to play with the visual. And I, I don't think that that necessarily translates to all those people who are fans of images on Instagram – being listeners of the podcast, but I thought, well, if I also put up little snippets, they'll get a little taste of maybe how our dynamic is. And if it is good or entertaining, they'll come listen. I like it. Anyway, uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Um, I also put up question posts there occasionally. This first one comes to us from Roby. 
Roe v. Wade. Roe B, like robot, but with an I, a bunch Roe of eyes. Robot. Not related to the chapter, but what did you think of the movie? Ooh, that's a good question because you haven't seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Wait, did you see it? Fuck no. Okay. I tried to watch on a plane. Right. Um, but we, I think, are going to go ahead and watch that pretty soon so that we can discuss it. So, yeah. Um, wow. What? And also, just I'm sorry to interrupt Roby. I'm sorry to interrupt your response to Roby. Yeah, you're pointing out the But cover. I just closed the, the comic because <laughs> I thought we were going to do, you know, obviously we're on listener questions now. The blood splatter is the same shape as the overhead image of the oh look at that of the vivarium or whatever it's called and the people dying at the end the, holy shit the there blood? are so many layers to this the symbolism now this is blowing me the fuck away right now okay. it is such a highly constructed yeah. work uh, Roby we are going to be listening to that probably in the, or watching that I guess the next week and a half and posting it probably two weeks from now Wollamart says do you think the HBO show will reference the end of the Watchmen comic book and yes my answer is Yes, but I'm curious to what extent, because if we follow the line of logic that the that Rorschach's book is out there, there's a cult of Rorschach acolytes. Um, there is the the supposition that something bad is coming in uh, via Ozymandias, but I don't know if if people are going to link one to the other and know that it's going to be Ozymandias that kind of caused this event. And then additionally, I would say that I think they've already established that this is going to exist in the world of the comic and not in the movie. They've definitely done that. So the squid monster is going to be an element of how that world has been transformed based upon that. I don't know how much they're going to want to reference it because I think that might be a little bit um, ostracizing to a new audience. If they just drop that in as a little Easter egg, I think that'll be fine. Yeah. But I don't know if they're going to want to lay into like this is what happened in the comics and now you need to know that audience. And I hope they don't do that. That's so boring. They're not going to. Lindelof's too smart for that. Yeah. Let's do one more. Less is more. Yep. I say less is more right right as you say let's do one more. Yeah, let's do one more. One more because it's from Swole Sauce oh, Incorporated. Oh, yeah. God damn. Who says, is Ozymandias really as smart as he's set up to be? I think he could have planned things differently. Exactly. Here's what Ozymandias could have done. Invent better re- curbside recycling. Start a compost program. He did. He created the electric cars. I absolutely don't give two shits. I've seen people <laughs> throw sugar in and in Antarctica. I've seen graffiti everywhere in New York. I've seen top knots. If he has so much money, put people to work. Do a program where you take these – what are they called? Top knots? Mm-hmm. Okay. Take the top knots. Teach them skills like engineer. well, I don't know, engineering. Teach them plumbing, metalwork. Let them do their whole thing where they can tattoo themselves and be these like metalheads. Universal can... basic income. That's Come what I'm saying. On. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. The Bernie Bro jokester right there. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I think Precisely. it's Yang that's promoting that one. Yeah, but <laughs> you're exactly right. Listen, he could have done a lot of things differently. And whenever you have to rely on the one thing that's actually easy, mm-hmm. remember uh, Daily Show monologue after 9 11? 
People right. are talking about the masterminds of 9-11. He's like, eh, it's not hard to break something down. It's hard to build something up. It's hard to have a society. It's hard to have regulations. It's hard to have in New York City, even though it was awful there, what you can see in the, you can see in the comic book that it looks like shit and there's violence and top knots and all this stuff and people are poor or whatever. It's still hard to have regulations like you can park here from this time to this time. We're going to give you tickets here. We're going to have a police force that looks out for people, etc. right? Books of codes and regulations. That's hard. It's easy to destroy all of it, even if you do create a weird fake alien thing. You know, you just, you just need money and time and a little bit of genius. I don't think he's that smart, but I guess that's the whole point. And I hope he's not smart enough. Well, interesting. I hope he's so smart that he has a little problem with hubris because then maybe he'll fall. Maybe that's his Achilles heel. Right. Which would then be who watches The Watchmen. I guess you watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and we've always seen a bunch of reflections in this comic book. So maybe that's it. <gasps> I'm talking with the man in the mirror. Beautiful way to end this episode. Folks, thank you for checking out another episode of Who Pods the Watchmen. I'm Grant. With me is my co-host, Clay. We will be back next week to talk about the final issue of the 12-part comic book series. With our Patreon winner. With our Patreon winner. So rush to the Patreon link. And depending on how well the conversation goes... Let's be honest. It could be the Patreon loser. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, yeah, we just want to thank you guys for going along on this journey with us so far. It's been a lot of fun, and we are really excited for the upcoming show. And the destination is the journey because I believe that once the show starts, we will be doing this uh, on Sunday night right after the show ends. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll have to come over to your house and watch the show just because you're, you know, right by the studio. I'm right by. And, hey, I have an 18-month-old kid trying to go to sleep, but let's jack her up and let's go. (laughs) Let's watch it on subtitles, completely quiet. You're not allowed to talk or eat popcorn or anything. Well, no, you can eat popcorn, just no crispy chips. Fair. You can eat chicken tenders, but you can't dip them in sauce. (laughs) Uh, Folks, thank you so much for uh, checking it out. We will be back next week. And until then, later, Gators. Later, Gators.